And hi there. Uh, it's, uh, yes, we're setting up Hotbox number 83 now. And this time around, we're peering into some jazz history and I dare say some personal history too. The idea for this particular show came from a listener whose taste, it seems, roughly coincides with mine and who suggested we dig out the pieces that marked for so many people the uh, the beginning of a love affair with this music and which have stood the test of time, becoming for us kind of definitive. And so when someone asks, what is jazz all about? Why do you love it? What first lit the flame for you? What pieces uh, do you keep coming back to? What are the benchmark pieces as far as your personal taste goes? And are they the ones that the jazz fraternity all over regard as definitive too? So for that listener, I hope this answers all of those questions. Thank you. 
I once read that uh, the Duke, uh, for it was he, uh, often started the second part of his live shows with that long piano introduction, which uh, he gave the title, or somebody gave the title, Kinda Dukish to. Uh, the idea being that uh, since the bar might have proved an irresistible attraction to quite a number of the band, it gave them time to get back to their seats and woe betide them if they didn't get back in time for when rockin' in rhythm had to start. Rocking in Rhythm, yeah, that's from the album Piano in the Background, recorded by the Duke Ellington Orchestra in 1960. Obviously the Duke on the piano, of course, Sam Woodyard was the drummer. Harry Carney, better known as a baritone player, contributing a clarinet solo. Booty Wood was on the trombone, Ray Nance and Andres Merenguito with the screaming trumpet at the close. Breathless stuff. Well, where you had Ellington, you also had Basie. Kid from Red Bank. Bill Basie, who was indeed from Red Bank, New Jersey, but who started his career and forever was associated with Kansas City. 
Um, Neil Hefty wrote that for him. Indeed, he wrote the whole album. The album was called The Atomic Mr. Basie, recorded in 1958, with an entirely non-PC picture of a nuclear explosion on the cover. Many of the pieces became standards, including, of course, this one, which I cannot resist. Lil Darlin'. Thank you. 
Lil Darlin, written by Neil Hefty, played there impeccably by the Count Basie Orchestra from there, recording the atomic Mr Basie. Uh, Wendell Cully was the muted trumpet player there. They say that the true metal of a big band, when you can tell whether they're really good or not, is when they play slow, not fast. Well, by not-so-curious coincidence, we're remaining in that era, the end of the 50s, start of the 60s, for the next item. Um, This is from a seminal recording by John Coltrane, and the album was called My Favourite Things from 1960. McCoy Tyner was the pianist, Steve Davis the bass, and Elvin Jones as the drummer. Um, The the title track, it it runs uh, nearly 14 minutes, so I've decided not to go there. But what we will do is uh, hear their version of another standard. Uh, This one is Gershwin's Summertime, but very much Coltraneized. Thank you. 
the uh, American songbook classic by George Gershwin, Summertime, transformed there by John Coltrane's uh, turn of the 60s quartet into what was seen uh, then and I guess is now a definitive modern jazz statement for the post-bop era. Uh, we don't normally do two-and-a-half-minute drum solos on the hot box, but uh, made an exception for Elvin Jones. And uh, talking of... Uh, modern jazz statements we can't really omit Ornette Coleman and his album Change of the Centuries which was recorded in 1959 it sounded absolutely revolutionary at the time even weird perhaps but not now it's worth quoting uh, Coleman from the liner notes perhaps he wrote um, I say there is no single right way to play jazz some of the comments made about my music make me realise though that modern jazz once so Daring and revolutionary has become in many respects a rather settled and conventional thing. The members of my group and I are now attempting a breakthrough to a new, freer conception of jazz, one that departs from all that is standard and cliché in modern jazz. Perhaps the most important new element in our music is our conception of free group improvisation. The idea of group improvisation in itself is not all new. It played a big role in New Orleans' early bands, the big bands of the swing period changed all that. Today, still, the individual is either swallowed up in a group situation or else he's out front soloing with none of the other horns doing anything but calmly awaiting their turn for their solos, even in some of the trios and quartets which permit quite a bit of group improvisation, the final effect is one that is imposed beforehand by the arranger. One knows pretty much what to expect." Well, one certainly didn't when you bought Change of the Century by Ornette Coleman. Thank you. 
Yeah, that was Ramblin' from the album Change of the Century. Ornette Coleman, uh, alto saxophone, Don Cherry and the pocket trumpet. Charlie Hayden was the bass player and Billy Higgins on drums, a pretty all-star quartet. Well, while all of this was going on across the Atlantic, some young men in Ireland, many of whom were earning a crust working in, uh, in show bands, um, they were learning their trade, none perhaps more successfully than the next aggregation. John Wadham on drums, Louis Stewart on guitar, Frank Hess on the bass. This is Wayne Shorter's Footprints, recorded 22 years ago.
We'll stay with uh, the Dublin bone and bred Louis Stewart for a while, recalling uh, just how important he was as an internationally acclaimed musician. Who he chose to base himself in Ireland most of the time. He did work with many musicians abroad in both America and in Europe. I guess uh, many will recall his stint in Britain with Toby Hayes. Uh, he was an extremely adaptable player, and I guess he could literally play any guitar in any style. I've chosen to treat us to a track he recorded with the singer on a heffernan and to the best of my knowledge this has never been heard beyond those in the studio on the day. Louis is playing a seven string guitar on this one. Oh 
Simply gorgeous uh, on a heffernan with Louis Stewart. And the good news is that there are, in fact, two more pieces recorded that day, which was uh, back in March 1997. Well, changing the tempo entirely, uh, no programme such as this could be remotely credible without Art Blakey. And if we're searching for a seminal track, try this one. It's written by the pianist in the band, Bobby Timmons, this time... Um, this tune became more than just a talisman for Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers when it was given words by John Hendricks. On this one, the original recording, you'll hear Lee Morgan's trumpet, Benny Golson's tenor, with Jimmy Merritt on the bass and, of course, Blakey on the drums, an all-star lineup, which was generally the case with Blakey's long-lived group, The Messengers. Thank you. 
flown in there from Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. As I mentioned before the track, his band, The Messengers, which was formed in 1947 and uh, then was jointly led with the pianist Horace Silver from 1950 and then established four years later as Blakey's own unit. It, it went on with a con- constantly evolving personnel until 1990. In fact, the personnel list is like a who's who of modern jazz. Well, if memory serves, actually, its last time in Ireland was playing in Dunleary, uh, and it included Wynton Marsalis on trumpet. Well, all good things have to come to an end, and I have a feeling that uh, we'll be doing another nostalgia hotbox in the very near future. So we'll play out with what was another of those mini-revolutions that take place in jazz from time to time. In this case, a preoccupation and a popularisation of the music of Brazil and all the rhythmic diversity that uh, followed from that. This is from uh, Stan Getz's album, Jazz Samba, which, to quote from the album's cover, brought contemporary sounds of modern Brazilian folk music. Enjoy Disafonado, and I hope uh, you've enjoyed the whole show. If you have been, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. 